Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. first lesson today comes from the Revelation in chapter 5, beginning with verse 11. And listen now to the Word of God. And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, and singing with full voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in the heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I invite you to stand as you are able in body and in spirit that we may hear the reading of Scripture. This comes from the Acts of the Apostles in the ninth chapter. It is the story of the conversion of Saul. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they had heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Who are you, Lord? Is it a question or an exclamation or a prayer? Who are you, Lord? Saul. Saul had been trained by the Pharisees and the scribes, by the best minds of the people of Israel of that day. He was committed to God. 
He was insistent that the way of Jesus was the wrong way. And he was determined that that way should be extinguished. He had stood by when Stephen, one of the early leaders of the church in Jerusalem, was stoned to death. He got an order from the high priest to go to Damascus and bring anybody who was a follower of the way of Jesus back so they could face the consequences. Saul set out on his way only to come to an intersection where the way of Jesus took control. The book of Acts is the only place in the Bible where the Jesus movement has that name, the way. And Saul's way was rerouted. Who are you, Lord? Saul must have thought, I know who the Lord is. The Lord was there, the one who created the earth from nothing in Genesis. The Lord is the one who spoke in the bush that was not burning, was burning but was not consumed as Moses stood on sacred ground. The Lord is the one who called Samuel in the night while he was living in the priest Eli's house. The Lord is the one who took Elijah to the valley of the dry bones. The Lord is the one who told the children of Israel in their captivity, comfort, comfort my people as the prophet Isaiah recorded it. These are times when we know who the Lord is, Saul could have said. Who are you, Lord? Question. Exclamation. Prayer. What Saul thought he knew about God was suddenly challenged and changed, and Saul was changed, quite literally. The account says he could not see, and his friends had to guide him into the city for his own safety. Sometimes conversions in our life are big moments that come with blinding light, as it were. And sometimes our conversions are smaller moments, but all together they add up to point us on our way, whatever our way may be, and I pray our way, individually and as a people, intersects with the way of Jesus. Chuck Colson was a special counsel to President Richard Nixon. He was a self-described hatchet man. He fixed things. He took care of things. And he was not afraid to get the job done no matter what it took. He did not mind to boundaries or to barriers. If he wanted something done, it was to be done. He became involved in an affair of deception and deceit and fraud that was based on the love of power above all else. As he was facing legal challenges, Colson resigned from his role as a presidential advisor and planned to return to the private sector as an attorney for his previous employer, the Raytheon Corporation. As part of the due diligence and the 
coming back into that process, he met with the company president, Tom Phillips, a man he had known for some time and had worked with. They met together at Phillips' home on an August night in 1973 in suburban Washington. Before the meeting, though, Phillips records that he felt as if God was speaking to him. He knew that God was speaking to him, and the word that he received from God was, tell Chuck about me. Phillips knew that Colson was having a hard time. He was being um, hounded. He was in the headlines. And Phillips knew that he might need this word. Phillips had never before spoken to a business colleague about personal faith, but he did that night. He shared what he knew. Colson's world was already turned upside down. As if it could not be turned any more crazier, he found himself after that meeting sitting in his car sobbing. Chuck Colson says he was not the kind of man who, who cried, much less sobbed. But there he was on a hot August night in suburban D.C. sobbing because of what he had heard and seen and experienced as he, as his way, intersected the way of Jesus. Who are you, Lord? A question? An exclamation? A prayer? Frederick Beekner is a, a writer who happens to be a Presbyterian minister. When he was in his early 20s, he moved to New York City, as many aspiring writers do. He had grown up in a family that had not given any thought at all to the development of faith. He grew up not in the church, not going to church, not knowing church stuff. And even this family pattern existed back a generation or two. But when he was in New York City in his 20s, he found himself drawn to a Presbyterian church there, and he would go and he would listen to sermons. He knew from his life before that that there were times when he encountered something of the divine he would see a painting or he would hear some phrases and he, his spirit would be engaged, but nothing ever happened there. Nothing, no decisions were made. But one Sunday in the 1950s, he went to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church and George Buttrick was the preacher that day. It was soon after Queen Elizabeth who is still on the throne. It was soon after she had been crowned queen. And Buttrick was talking about how Christ is our king. And he said this, he said, Christ is crowned again and again in hearts of those who love and believe in him amidst confession and tears and great laughter. Christ is crowned amidst confession and tears and great laughter. Beekner says he was so taken back by that combination 
that he found tears springing from his eyes. Confession and tears and great laughter. The conversations that followed that he had with that pastor eventually led him to consider and to, to enroll in seminary to pursue a, 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 the vocation of, of ministry. And the person who literally took him to the seminary to enroll was George Buttrick, his pastor. Who are you, Lord? Question? Exclamation? Prayer? One of my mentors, one of my teachers, literally in so many ways, is John Mulder. He is an author, he is a historian, he is a Presbyterian minister as well. Early on in his career, he collected with a, with a colleague, he collected a series of writings that were conversion stories. He has Paul's story in there. He has other people's stories. They were first-person testimonies of how God had directly interacted with these folks. Some are quite dramatic, and some are a matter of progression, of, of evolution, of how faith evolves over time. Along the way, things happened in all of these lives. And along the way, things happened in John's life. He was a seminary president, which meant he had to raise a lot of money. He was a seminary president, which meant he had to mine the academic world. And those of you in academics and teaching know what that's like. He was a seminary president, so he had to go and represent people that institution to churches and other places in the world. Along the way, his life got all balled up. He was a Christian, but he crashed. And he crashed hard. In September of 2003, he recounts. He discovered that he had been for all of, for so many years, he had had an undiagnosed bipolar disorder. And he had been medicating himself with alcohol. And these two things combined in a very public and difficult way, he violated boundaries. He engaged in sexual misconduct. He was suspended from the practice of ministry. He, was, he resigned from his position as president of the seminary. Eventually, he ended up in residential treatment for his substance abuse and for his disorder. He got there because his wife and some friends and medical um, people around him helped guide him to see that this was something he could not do alone, that he needed to have someone take his hands. And he found himself in a residential treatment program. 
And in that program, he lived in a community, and there were four men in a particular little pod where they lived. He says one morning, he got up, the other three were asleep. He got up, he was fixing breakfast for himself. It was an English muffin with peanut butter on it. It's amazing what details we remember. But he, he got up, he put, got this breakfast ready, and he writes, suddenly, I was surrounded by a white light. It was not blinding or frightening, but warm and embracing. At first, there were no voices or sounds, but as the light subsided, I eventually heard, you are not alone. And then the light faded. He told his counselors and the staff there at the treatment program, one of the counselors, a Jew by faith, said, all right, get on with it. It is a summary, John says. It was a summary of the Old Testament. Turn around. Get on with it. And he writes, it is a perfect way of describing what it means to find God. Get on with it. Who are you, Lord? A question? An exclamation? A prayer? Acts 9 has a second conversion story in it, as well as Saul's. Saul went to Damascus, and he was blinded on the road there because he wanted to extinguish the way, but the way opened up to him, and it took him and embraced him, and he found himself, Saul found himself, in a place that was different. The second conversion story, I think, is that of Ananias. Let me read this to you from Acts 9. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas... Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At the moment, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. And in that vision, a man named Ananias comes in and lays his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is to be an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name to the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and he entered the house and he laid his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, 
And after taking food, he regained his strength. Scales fell from his eyes. Get on with it. Ananias was already a follower of Jesus' way. He was convinced that Jesus' way was the way. He lived it. He followed it. He accepted it. But then he has his own vision. He has heard this Saul was up to no good. And he knew why Saul was there. The evidence of Saul's work were all sorts of bad fruit. Yet the Lord said to Ananias, go to this Saul and be my agent for him. Go to him, for he will become an agent of mine as well, just as you are. Who are you, Lord? A question, an exclamation, a prayer. One final note. In all of these stories, and in your story, and in mine, there are those other people around us who help make this happen. Saul had his companions that took him after he was blinded and he could not see. They took him into the city of Damascus. There was somebody named Judas who lived on Straight Street that allowed Saul to harbor there. There was Ananias who came it was the agent by which Saul's eyes were opened. Chuck Colson had Tom Phillips to show him a way that was different from the way he was living. Frederick Beekner had George Buttrick, who not only preached a sermon, but who actually, as it were, took his hand and led him into a new vocation. John Mulder was surrounded by his wife and his friends who knew that something was wrong. And not only did they move him toward recovery, they received him back into their lives as part of their journey together. Who are you, Lord? A question, an exclamation, a prayer. It is all three. It is a question as we probe what is happening. It is an exclamation when we declare our surprise at the way in which God is at work and shows us God's way. It is a prayer when we share what we have come to understand as we join together with all of the other followers of the way as God has revealed through Jesus Christ. Who are you, Lord? Thanks be to God. Amen.